Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. It's really strange to be standing up here and not sitting down there, but it's good. Um, it's lovely to be up. I've actually moved away now, so it was, it's been very good to come back and to see everybody again. Um, I'd like to start off just by reading Psalm 15. Um, one moment, I'll find Psalm 15. If, uh, I'll give you a bit of an introduction to later on. But first of all, start off at Psalm 15, which is one of those psalms which is fairly well known, especially the beginning of it. Um, it's, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and walks righteous, works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. But he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Here this tells us what, you know, to dwell in God's tabernacle, who do we need to be? Some of this is quite easy. Some of it we look at and we think, eh, not so sure. How do we do that? I want to take just one, of one verse in this, um, which is, well, the, sec- the second part of the second verse. He who walks uprightly and works righteousness. Um, righteousness is a word that we use, we hear a lot. And I don't know about you, but I often think, what does it mean, do what's right? What does it mean to do what is right for God? Um, and while I was doing some of the research for one of my lectures, sorry, girls, you've heard this, um, this was something that really jumped out at me. I am not a Greek scholar. I don't know if anyone is. I'm not Greek, Hebrew scholar. No, this would be Hebrew at all. Um, but I looked into the meaning, and this word righteousness is sadika. And what does it mean? So I went back to, I don't know if you've heard of him, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who died fairly recently, who gave an explanation of what this word means, righteousness. And he said, if you ask a a Hebrew scholar what it means, you will probably get two, everybody's saying slightly different. Some will say charity, and some will say justice. Now, in English, justice and charity are totally different. Charity is what I give you because you need it. That's why we have all our charity shops. We... Give things so that people who have a need can get it. Justice means I give you something because I owe it to you. If I give you £100, not going to, sorry. It's because because I owe it to you, that's one thing. That's justice. If I give it to you because I want to give it to you, because it's charity, we've got two totally different meanings here. And what he says is, in Hebrew, this word has... Somebody throw themselves at the window. This word has the same meaning. It means the same. They are not opposites. They are linked together. They are so joined together. And I want to read what he says. He says it much better than me. How come the Hebrew language can do something English can't? The answer is simple. In Judaism, what we possess, we don't ultimately own. Everything we have is ultimately God's. God merely lends it to us, gives it to us in trust, 
And one of the conditions of that trust is that we share it with people who have less than we do. And that is why in Judaism, charity is justice and justice is charity. They're the same. And that's righteousness. What is righteousness? That is what we have. Everything we have belongs to God. Absolutely everything. He lends it to us so that we can give to those that haven't in whatever way it is. And it's a concept which I think we should influence the way that we live. We live in a world which is all about me, what I need, what I want. It's all mine. We belong to a God who is totally different. Tzadikah means that everything I have belongs to him. That means my time going to volunteering, that hour... Our time belongs to God, it's not ours. Our strength belongs to God, it's not ours. Our resources, he's given them to us. And basically, my life, your life, if you've accepted Christ, doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to him. He died on the cross for us. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith by the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If Jesus gave his life for me, how can I ever say, no, this part of my life is mine. I'll give you this much, but that part I'm going to keep for myself. He's done so much for us that what we have, everything belongs to him. And he's lent it to us. I love that he lends it to us so that we then decide what we're going to do with it. But he wants us to use it for serving others. He wants us to use it for his glory. He wants what he's lent to us to be given back to those that don't have it. Um, and I'm involved in missions. I've been involved in missions all my life. Well, when I grew up, not as a child. So sometimes people say, what is it that motivates you to serve God the way that you have? And I think it's that. It's that everything I have belongs to him. Something I learned very long. I was a student at the IBTI back in uh, 1982, which was the first time I came to this church. So long history here. Um, I was at IBTI. This is my claim to fame. I was at IBTI before Philida. <laughs> Only by a few months, but I was. <laughs> um, so, and, you know, missions, that was instilled in me then. But if we look at... Um, the Great Commission, that's missions. What is missions about? It comes from there. So Matthew 28 and verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. That's what's motivated me motivated me during my life serving God in missions. God called me at the, was it me? At the IBTI. Someone's shooting me. Uh, <laughs> um, at the IBTI to go into missions. And since then, I've done various things. I'm, I admire people who stick at something for a long, long time. You've got some people there in the same place for ages. I'm one of those people that God has moved around a lot. Um, I started off by pioneering an evangelistic um, outreach to mafia children in Naples, um, the Camorra, they call them. Working with the families, working with those children was tough, it was difficult, it was hard work, but boy, it was so rewarding seeing 
the miracles that God worked, seeing what he did, seeing in that crime-ridden area, total poverty there, what God was able to do to touch lives. And I was out there for, for 13 years. Um, and then also went to um, the Philippines to pioneer a ministry to community of people, children, adults, glue sniffing, drug taking, high crime, living on a cemetery. And I'll never forget when God spoke to me and said, he'd been speaking to me about reaching children outside of church. And when I went there to visit and he spoke to me, he said, okay, I'd visited, I'd seen it, I'd prayed about it. And then he said, what are you going to do about it? That was a moment. Okay, God, if you want me to do something about this, I give you back my time, my life, my energy, everything. But what are you going to do? And he really stepped in. That ministry is still going today. So is the one in, in Italy. Um, still going, managed by local people, run by local people. And there's some amazing people out there. The face of missions is very much changed now. We don't necessarily need to be the ones that go. We support the people that are there that have got the strength and the time to to work with it. And so um, there's a lady called Pinky who works out there. She's taken over this ministry from me. She runs it. She comes from a squatter area. When I met her, she lived, I would say, in a hovel by a river which flooded every, you know, high tide when there was typhoons. She gives everything to serve God. She's got nothing, but she gives everything. And it's a huge wake-up call seeing somebody like that. Um, and all of these ministries now that I also transitioned, a, mi a mission from the AOG, which was a missions complex for school, Bible school, children's home, etc., which had been running for years. And God called me out there to transition that to local leadership, to Filipino leadership. So that's happened as well. Um, so that's my... That's my past. That's what I've done. I've seen God do amazing things. I've had great experiences, ups and downs, in and out. Through it all, God's faithfulness is huge. God has always, always been there. And then God called me to IBTI to serve there for seven years on staff there. So I call myself a jack of all trades. I'm not an expert in anything particularly. I've dabbled in a lot of things. I've learned a lot of things. Um, and if I look back at my life, I've loved my life. If I'm honest, serving God has been amazing. I really thank God for the experiences. The difficult times, I think I've forgotten a lot of those. They've gone. But it was a great experience. So now I've come to a time in my life when God has called me to move into something different. I honestly expected to be at IBTI until I, well, to be another Philida and to stay there. And then God stirred. Do you ever, does God ever stir you? Do you ever feel that God has just got that big wooden, wooden spoon in your spirit and he's doing this? And he's saying, move. Don't get settled. Don't become stagnant. Move on. And he began to do that. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I do now? I'm not ready to go out and pioneer. I'm not ready to go out and start something again. It's the wrong time of life. Not, ready, not up for that. Um, and God brought me to a place where he said, this is what I want you to be involved in, which is Wycliffe Bible Translators. I don't know if you've heard of them. Some people have, you might not have done. I'd heard of them. I'd met up with quite a few of their workers in the Philippines when I was there, really impressed with what they're doing, bringing the word of God to people that don't have it. Um, what, what I'd like to do now is if we can show the video, we'll explain a lot better than me what they do, and then I'll carry on afterwards.
Being a pastor of a church when you don't have a Bible in your language, it has been very difficult. My work is to see that these scriptures get into the hearts of the people. It was hard to convince people to start the Bible, but when they are using their, their language, it makes a, a difference. The Bible changes lives. But if people can't understand it, it can't get into their hearts as God intended. Yet when people have the Bible in their language, lives are changed and churches grow as people come to know Jesus, as the people speaking the Lugwere and Lunyole languages of Uganda have discovered. The people in my church are changing now since we began using the Bible in Indunyoli. I'm saying the word of God transforming people's lives. Things are going to be a lot different for my grandchildren. I think the understanding of God will be better than me. All over the world, in thousands of languages, God's word is changing lives. In a voisin, j'ai réalisé que quand les gens ont la parole de Dieu dans leur propre langue, l'effet est différent. Et moi, je voulais ça aussi pour mon peuple. La tradition est tellement importante parce que Dieu veut communiquer pour tous les peuples sur la terre. That's why, through the support of churches and Christians from across the UK and Ireland, Wycliffe Bible Translators is working with such passion and urgency in over 70 countries with over 350 languages that are spoken by over 470 million people. God wants to communicate with each of these people through His Word so that many will come to know Jesus. An increasing number of the languages Wycliffe is working in are in the most difficult to access areas of the world for the gospel. All of these names have been changed to protect the people involved. In one of these countries, someone we're calling Ibrahim works to translate the Bible into a language spoken by millions of people, most of whom have never heard the gospel. He says, People have the right to know what God says. How will my people know that God loves them if they do not have the message in their language? We're not meant to live without the words of life in the Bible. But one in five people worldwide still don't yet have the Bible in the language they know best. That's not right. Wycliffe exists so that the word of God will reach the whole of the world and that the good news about Jesus will transform people's lives. And the main way in which God communicates with us is through the Bible. We need to get the Bible available in every language so that everyone in the world has the opportunity to read it and to discover the person of Jesus. The Bible's central to ministry. I bought into the myth that the job was done. 1.5 billion people, one in five people, without a Bible in their own language.
Getting the Bible into people's languages is an essential part of world mission. And this work depends on your prayers and your giving. Funding plays a critical role in the work of Bible translation. Paul, Matthias, Ido, Ibrahim, and all the other Bible translators working around the world with such dedication so that their people can come to know Jesus can only do what they do because of the support of people like you. Please become a vital part of this worldwide translation team through praying and giving. Thank you. For the finances, for the prayers, don't have enough words to express my gratitude. May the Lord bless you. Just a quick question. How many of us have more than one Bible in their home? We are so, so privileged to have access to the Word of God. When we're discouraged, when we're down, when we want to grow, we have the Bible in our, in our language. We can pick it up and we can read it. For any of you that have ever learnt a second language, third language, fourth language, reading the Word of God in a language which is not your home heart language is quite difficult. It takes time. That's why I'm involved in this. That's why I love it. Because if we look at Matthew... Um, 28, 19 to 20, how can that great commission of missions be fulfilled without the word of God, without access um, to the word of God? How do you make disciples without giving people access to understand what God is saying to them? How do you teach them what God has said without that access? It could be done, and many of these pastors have done it in a second language and said they have to they have to translate what is to be said to give it to the people. And you all know, you know, Chinese whispers, things lose as they go on. So that's, all of that is very difficult. Missions without the word of God is tough. It's hard work. Churches grow with the word of God, with access to it. We as individuals grow when we have access to the word of God. We have so much access to the Word of God. And my challenge, one of the things that I learned at IBTI at the beginning was, if you ever share the Word of God, there's got to be a challenge in it. And my challenge to myself, as well as especially since doing this, is am I continually growing? With access to God's Word that speaks to me, am I taking full advantage of it? Or have I just got stagnant? We should be able to grow. That's what happens with the Word of God. But I just want to give you, couple of people I want to share with you about. They are translators for a language which has 50 million speakers. That's more than the population of London and Sussex together. That's a lot of people, and there are hardly any Christians in there. They are translating, there's three of them, local people that are working towards it. Um, most Christians are hidden. I don't know, I've guessed which country this is, but even as a part of the team, I don't know what their country is. These aren't their names. The language is not the one, we're not told what language it is. But they've got, you know, we call them Amir and Wajid. Now, Amir came to Christ because Wajid would drive through villages on a motorbike with leaflets in the local language 
and would just drop them at the side of the road and go straight through. Because if he stopped, he would have been attacked and killed. That's how tough it is. And Amir picked up one of these leaflets, corresponded with the center which was sending them out, and just through that came to Christ, came to know Christ. And this wasn't in his own language. This was in another language. And he then became a translator. These two worked totally, 100% independently. Amir, his wife knows. She doesn't understand it. He doesn't confess to be a Christian. But he's persecuted and he gets beaten up for not being a practicing Muslim where he is. He spends his time in his house translating and he works remotely. It's all done online. And I think they have to, at the end of the day, wipe everything off, put it in the cloud, because anything that's picked up, their lives are in danger. Amir still lives with his wife at home, but as soon as he confessed to being a Christian and to getting saved, his wife wants nothing more to do with him. He lives in one little room in his house, separate entrance, separate everything. He's not allowed to speak to his children or grandchildren for 20 years. He's translating. These people have understood what it is that everything belongs to God. Their lives are totally 100% committed to God. They are giving everything back because they know that their people have the right to receive the word of God and they're giving everything for it. In the past, missions would often be pack your bag, you'd leave, people would be praying for you. It would be, if you like, the Westerner going out and doing missions. It has totally 100% changed. Missions is so much now teamwork. And for Bible translation, it used to be there are some people who have given all of their lives to go to an area, to translate, to learn the language, to be accepted, to write the language, to translate the Bible, and it takes decades and decades. What's happening now is so most of those pl places where the Bible needs to be translated are dangerous, are persecuted, are very remote. Political situations are up and down. And most of the translation is done now by local people, people like Wajid, people like um, Amir. They are the ones that are doing it, but they can't do it on their own. If you think one in five people don't have a Bible in their own language, huge amount. There's a lot to be done, but it's happening faster than it has ever happened before, partly because of technology has made things so much, more, so much easier. Many people now, aren't, they're not trying to translate a Bible like ours. It's all done on apps. A lot of it is oral because they're oral, oral people. So somebody will, who speaks a local language, a similar language, will understand the Bible. They read it, they read it, they read it, and then they orally tell it to the people. And it's all done on apps. It's not even written down. But all of these people can't do it on their own. They need support. Amir and Wajid needed trainers to train them how to translate. It's not easy. Theologians, literacy experts who are able to then add their to it, to check it, to make sure it's accurate. One of the huge needs now is IT support. Huge need for IT support in all of this to keep things going. Pastoral care. Imagine what it's like if you never see another Christian. And Ahmed in particular very seldom sees any other Christian. It's too dangerous on his own all the time. Finances, they need the financial team that gets the money out there so that he can live, so that the projects can be done. 
those that promote it in churches that raise support, it takes teamwork to make things happen. As Tom said earlier, we are the body of Christ. We need to work together to see things happen. A church doesn't work if all you've got is one person doing everything. It needs those volunteers. It needs everybody saying, right, my time's not my own. My skills are not my own. I want to give them back to God. And so that's what's needed now for translation work. And that's what, as I said, because I'm a jack of all trades, I'm not an IT expert at all. Um, I'm not into finances, don't understand figures. But I've had a lot of experience in people working with different teams in different places, building up different teams. So I'm involved in the HR support. So I am a part of the team which supports the people who support the translators. Does that make sense? It is so much a teamwork to do that. So my role is now, I'm going to be, I've left IBTI, I've um, moved out and I'm beginning this role now. I'm actually having to study which is hard work, orientation, because there is so much involved, to then be able to be someone who is responsible for the people that are involved in it, um, particularly with any UK missionaries that are involved. Often they are working remote. You might have a team that's translating the Bible in this country. The people that are doing it can't live in that country. You might have a local translator, but all of the support workers are outside, maybe in a local country or even quite remote, and they do so much remote. It's so making things so much easier, but it still needs a lot of people. So I'm going to be supporting these people. I will probably end up being responsible for a specific field area, a specific area, a group of countries where they, that is going on, looking after the people, filling in vacancies, looking after people when they're going through crisis, pastoral care for those that are finding it tough, when they've got children, how are we going to get them their education? It's such a huge, complex machine, if you like. But we are the body of Christ. We are all involved in it. I'm no longer going to be, going to be involved in pioneering and that. But the experience that God's given me, this variety of life, I can see how God has prepared me for being able to do this. I've got a lot of different, you know tools in my bag that I can bring. Oh, I've done this, seen that. And I really thank God for this opportunity. Um, and it's all about giving back to God. Some people say, you know, I hope you'll say, don't you want to think about retiring now? One, I'd be bored. But two, no, God's not finished yet. God can use each one of us wherever we are, no matter what we've got. There's something that we can give to this teamwork. And so that's what I'm involved in now. Um, and for you as well, whatever you have got, God can use you in missions and in local church. Thinking about Sadika, whatever you've got belongs to him. Maybe you can't go, but you can support. You've got skills. If God's given you skills, I'm going to say this, they're not just for you to have a good job and make a good life. Maybe your skills can be used to expand the kingdom of God. There's so much that is needed in God's kingdom. Time doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God. Prayer is so powerful, that prayer time. Maybe God has called you in some way to support through prayer, through getting behind. I know that I've done what I've done in serving God in missions because I've got people that have been praying for me for years and years and years. We need that. We need that so much more. And the resources that God gives us, he gives them to us, he lends them to us so that we can give to those that need them. It's all a part of that 
body of Christ. We all support each other. Um, and I want to thank you for the chance to share here. I love missions. Missions is exciting. Missions, seeing what God is doing around the world like that, just expands the vision of this is the God that we've got. He's not limited to my world. Um, and it's a huge privilege. Um, I'm, I've got to start now yet again, raising more support to be able to support myself so that I can you know, be involved in what I'm doing. I am looking for prayer partners. If you have a heart for missions, if you've got that time to give back to God, I'm looking, I know that I am going to need huge prayer support in the future to continue to do what I'm doing. And we're also for Wycliffe, for people that will pray for people like Wajid and Amir. They can't do what they do without prayer support behind. Um, and also for finances, I've got to raise more, more support for that. But I know that God is going to provide because I know that this is not about me. It's about God. It's about the Great Commission and it's about bringing the word of God to people that don't have that privilege. We are so privileged to be able to pick up. I've recently had to pack my, my stuff up because I moved. I couldn't believe how many Bibles I'd got on shelves, in boxes. I never look at them. Value this. We are so privileged to be have it, have access to it. Um, and it's exciting serving God. If you can volunteer and be involved at the church, you will be rewarded, not necessarily monetary, but by the privilege of serving God, he gives something back in that way. Um, if you are interested in sort of knowing any more about what I'm doing, I've got a leaflet which explains a bit with a horrible picture on the front, but it explains a little bit about my involvement, and one with a much better picture on the front, which was taken from a photo and drawn by Ben. Thank you, Ben. Um, with a bit more information, there's a QR code on the back as well, which takes you to the Wycliffe website, plus donations, etc. But God needs each one of us. Tzadika, charity and justice. What you have doesn't belong to you. If you belong to Christ, he died for you. And everything you have is his. Let's not forget that. He's a great God. He gave his life for you and me. And to reach those that don't have the word of God, those that don't know him, he needs us to give back to him what he's lent to us so that he can use it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.